The rich have always made the rules. Rules about tax savings, social security, required minimum distributions, financial do's and don'ts. But they don't tell you what those rules are. Because if you knew the rules, you could take advantage of them like the wealthy do. Where do you go to learn about these rules? And how do you take advantage of them for your benefit? Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. That's Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. I'm Eric Halaby. The Total Financial Hour, two hours, <laughs> your emails on the second hour. Uh, our show, The Total Financial Show, is all about your information uh, being fed to you in English and not with this gibberish that a lot of the financial professionals, the industry, even commercials on TV, they tend to, to I don't know, either use big words or talk down to you or make you feel like you're just dumb for not having enough money saved. That's not my goal. My goal is to help you understand how you can get out of debt, manage money, plan for the future, and you can do it all simultaneously. A lot of times, depending on who you listen to, uh, you have different sides of the equation here, but they'll say, pay off all of your debt first, that high interest rate, it's horrible, you have to get focused on, on eliminating debt, then we can start a savings plan. Look at how the math works. And it's one-dimensional. It has a calculator. You you use a, a pen and paper, and, and you go through all of that. Okay, that's nice. Thank you. I got it. But if I get out of debt a little bit slower, but at the same time I'm changing, ready for this, my habits, see, that's pretty important to me. You change your habits as you're building your wealth. You change your habits as you're eliminating your debt. You change your habits as you're building a savings component, an investment component, a retirement planning component to your life because it didn't exist before, right? I mean, planning is not just a 15-minute adventure and that's it. It isn't doing something. It's being different. Many of you have heard me talk about uh, this type of a concept. Well, where did I learn it from? Well, I learned it from my dad. And I appreciate those that sent amazing emails last week. My dad passed away a few weeks ago. Last week, I ran the Father's Day special, two of the shows that I had him on back-to-back. And I thought it was uh, it was definitely cathartic for me to hear his voice. But to hear the response from you guys about some of the things that he taught you or that you learned from him, 
Some of those emails uh, I shared with my mom, I shared it with my sisters, and we were very appreciative of you reaching out. So I want to thank you both privately. I did that, and then also, of course, publicly, it makes a big difference to me. If If I didn't get to everybody, forgive me. There were certainly a lot of them. But what I learned from him was being versus doing. And when we translate that, here's here's what it means in the financial world. Well, I'll, I'll step into that, I guess, in just a second. But here's the the being versus doing, right? Doing is going to school. Doing is taking a test, uh, passing a class. Uh, it's doing things on the outside. Being is about the inside. So what I learned from my dad was about being a better listener, about being what you said you are. Right, Not this craziness that people want to talk, 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 and yet accomplish nothing. So here's the way it works in your financial world when we're talking about your retirement accounts. I want you to be somebody who builds your habits. Be somebody who builds your financial life by, by just being honest. If you're honest with yourself, if you sit down and say, you know, I, I stink in this area or I have no idea what to do with this inheritance, or I'm just not sure how to handle this divorce. I just just separated. I've got a bunch of money. He handled the money or she handled the money. What do I do with it? That's what we're here for. And and if I can help, it'd be an honor. I, I want you to know that. It's something very important to me. Maybe it's just a question. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a Zoom call or or a meeting. Whatever it might be, our phone number is 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. So here's where it comes into play with your personal life. You see, the 401k plans, and here's how they work. If if ever somebody says, I have a 401k, I know that it's a for-profit company. Because in the IRS code, 401, subsection K, right? You just go down the IRS code. It's not not fancy uh, language here. It says if you work for a for-profit company, you can set aside money both pre- or post-tax, meaning before taxes are taken out or after. You can put it into an account. If you remove the taxes first, that's called a Roth. But if you put money for retirement, but you've already paid the taxes on that money, then the IRS says that you can continue to earn interest on that money going forward and never pay taxes again. Under current state and federal law, regardless of where you live, that retirement account could never be taxed again. Now that's important if part of your problem in retirement is taxes. One of the emails I'm going to read a little later, right? income for some people is a problem. <laughs> I know you're going to say, oh, hey, hey, send that problem my way. But when you have three government pensions, yes, three, husband, wife, uh, wife has one, husband has two, then you have Social Security, and then you have retirement accounts where there's a mandatory distribution, whether you like it or not, they have to send money to you every uh, year when you're 73 years old. And these folks are saying, look, we just can't get rid of this money fast enough. No, they're not looking for somebody to adopt. So keep your hands down. It's, But you have to plan properly. Otherwise, all of your savings, everything you've worked for, half of it is going to go to the state or federal government or local in some cities. 
You know, New York City charges an income tax in addition addition to New York State and in addition to the federal government. So the city of New York, when people say, oh, it's $4,000 a month for a studio apartment. Yes, but you understand that by the time everybody's said and done, you have to make right in the neighborhood of about 7000 a month just to pay the taxes and pay the, pay the rent. That means you don't even eat dinner yet or pay your electric bill or your cell phone. You don't pay for any transportation yet. You realize how important that is. So in a place like New York City where, or San Francisco or even Los Angeles where the rent is high... A lot of people can't afford to put money in their retirement accounts and still pay the taxes today. So they're saying, listen, I'll just settle this debt at a later date. So put it in. Don't take out the taxes now. Let it go into these retirement accounts. When I retire, where I retire, that money will be taxed at that time. And I'll worry about it then. Well, as I mentioned, a lot of people are today worrying about that money. Today is the day for a lot of people that's coming. And in 2026, taxes are going to increase. In some cases, nearly double for some of you, especially if you're a widow or a widower. So we have to be thinking through this. Average 401k balances tumbled last year, 2022. This is a Vanguard data release study uh, this uh, Thursday of this week of last week, 401k balances plummeted in 2022 due primarily to the decrease in contributions. So a lot of people said, hey, I just can't afford to put money into my retirement account anymore. That's It's down right in the neighborhood of 20%. That means if you had 200,000, now you have 160, right? That That's a huge difference. If you had 100000 in your retirement account, you now have somewhere in the neighborhood of about eh, one thirty dollars or, or, or $65,000, 70000 from 100 right around 15 20%. Okay, this, these are big numbers because this 20% or so number means you don't get to retire when you thought. You have to work longer or you have to move or you can't work in certain areas or live in certain areas. Here's another one that tells me that there's a recession on the future. In fact, I want to give you a few of the different signs that I see that something is wrong. And usually when things are real wrong, by the time you notice it, by the time it's here, by the time it impacts you maybe directly or enough for you to question, at that moment it's been going on for a long time. So I think we're in the middle of the recession. I think we started it at least a few months back. And here's, here's some of the, the things that we see. At the tail end of a recession, you see mass layoffs. And not from mom and pop liquor stores. Those happened about a year and a half ago. You know, mom and pop restaurants where they were laying off, cutting back. So today, those small businesses are hiring again. Right? The cycle has completed for them. They're trying to bring in more people. But then what's the next phase of the recession cycle that we know is here? And it's the larger companies now. Right, We saw it last year when Elon Musk purchased Twitter and took it private. Right When he did that, he fired 80% of the employees. I mean, can you realize that? 80% were let go. 
And he said, we ran just fine. We don't. He said, to this day, I can't figure out what all those people were doing. Go and look on YouTube at some of their videos. Hi, today's my day working at Twitter. After I stopped by the snack bar, then I went over to the uh, custom coffee uh, restaurant here. And all those people are employees or being paid as a contractor. They walk into the the safe room, right, with coloring books and stuffed animals and beanbag chairs. And then they finally get to their office and start working. But oh. see, Elon Musk, uh, I, listen, do you agree with him 100%? Of course not. But did you hear what he said? I've heard some of you say, did you hear what he said, Irv? In 2015, he said, blah, 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 blah. okay, look, you want me to record everything you said? How about the time you were mean to your wife or your husband? How about the time you yelled at your dog? You want anybody to record that? He happens to be a billionaire that everybody pays attention to. I I don't agree with him 100% of the time. I'm married and I don't agree with my wife 100% of the time. Just means I'm wrong 60% of the time. (laughs) Right? I mean, come on. You can, uh, if I want intellectual honesty from others, I have to be willing to give it. So financially, if you are setting up yourself to, to, to prepare for this recession, we, ha- we have to look and say, is it happening? I think it is. Amazon, Toyota, Ford, big companies, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, they're laying off some or even large numbers. And I don't mean you know 10 people. I mean hundreds, if not thousands of people. This writer's strike, folks, I want you to know, many of you that listen, are in the industry, in the, the film industry. I get it. Some of you didn't even strike, and you're, you're stuck trying to deal with it because the other union stri- uh, you know, went on strike, and, and you can't work because of it. It stinks. I know y- you guys might be fine. You're like, but we can't work because we need all pieces of the puzzle to work together. So then you have to ask yourself, how much longer can you afford this to go on? Uh, yesterday, I was with somebody who works in the industry, but he works in the post, post, post production. Like when everything's done, he works in the industry that puts things together on cell phones and, and kind of customizes ads that pop up on your Facebook. So the productions had to be done a year ago, maybe six months, two years. So he, so he said he's got a lot of, little bit of leeway. He says about a year's worth of work, and then he's going to start feeling it. But remember, it's a pipeline system. If you start feeling it now, then you're going to have a problem. Or you know, they're doing things a year from now, six months. That's why I think this whole system. Remember, supply line, supply chain stuff. They said, "Oh, we have all of these containers out in L.A. Harbor, these ships." All right, fine, bring the ships in. But the manufacturers stopped making it. So as soon as that stuff was off the shelf, it's over. So how do you fix a recession? It's not difficult, actually. President Reagan did it. President Trump did it. 2015 was, was a negative year, was a bad year. We had a mini recession in 2015. That's a big deal for you folks. Some of you didn't feel it. Well, it just means you're, you're financially better off than others. But here's what, took, here's what you do. You increase supply. Yeah, that's right. You open manufacturing. You allow more oil and and natural gas production. You let people get back to work so that no longer are four of us trying to buy the same table. They just make four tables. Right? So now the price of the table doesn't have to change. 
right? But instead of it bidding up and up and up and up, it stabilizes. That's inflation. We get rid of inflation, stabilizing the prices by having more goods and services available with the current amount of money in circulation. That's the Republican way to do it. The Democrat way to do it is to tax money from people and pull it away from you so it's not even uh, out there to buy anything. It's not circulating anymore. It's now being pulled from the system and sent to government. The problem is what's government going to do with it? Yeah, think about it. Anything good? Have you seen the roads and bridges? I mean, that's the most obvious. Have you seen homeless people everywhere? Where were they four months ago, eight months ago, two years, 10 years ago? Where did this guy or gal live? I don't know. I think what you do is you put a responsibility on the family. And I'm all for giving the family a tax break. Listen, you want to take in your son or daughter off the street? You want to take in your, your father? I get it. He has mental illness issues. So we're going to have a nurse come over three times a week, five times a week. I don't know. We're going to pay you room and board. We're going to have a person come in and check in random checks at least once a month. It could be as much as three times a month to make sure Joe is still living with you, Uncle Joe, to make sure you're still caring for him and he's being fed. And we will pay you. County, city government. Joe needs to go back to his family, the people that care for him. Oh, error if he's mentally ill. I get it. Then you got to have a facility for him. Error if he just needs a little bit of medication. Then you give him the medication. Uh, error if Joe doesn't have anybody that loves him, doesn't want him, family hates him. In fact, if he comes over there, he's probably going to you know, hurt them or them. Hurt. Okay, got it. All right, all right. What do we do? Recently, I flew over the desert. Yeah, that's right. The same desert that we were willing to put our soldiers, our men and women, Marines, Airmen, yeah, remember those people, military, that we, we said we loved, we cared for? Yeah, they slept in the middle of deserts and tents without air conditioning in most cases. So what you do is you say, listen, you can't live on the street anymore. You can't live in the park. I mean, you're, it's, you're a lovely person, but, but you just can't do it. But air, no is the answer, no. If you don't have an uncle, brother, sister, cousin who wants to care for you, then you have to go to these pre-built facilities in the desert. David Lozano is a friend of mine. He uh, ran for governor. I don't think he got 1%. Valent effort in some cases. I think he's an amazing guy. Brilliant, in fact. And Dave said something very fascinating to me. He said, Arif, uh, by the way, he's an attorney and a former Los Angeles County deputy for, I think, six, seven years. So he's seen, he has seen many sides of it. He's an educated man and he's common sense. And he said, here's what you do. You just build various levels of housing communities in the desert. I'm cur- uh, certainly surmising it. But what you do is you start with, you know, the very high impact, almost like max security prison in the sense that it's high intensity, one-on-one, medication management, uh, behavior management, deciding whether or not the person is a criminal and needs to be locked up in prison. Or can they transition to the next level, right? Small, medium, large, or in this case, large, medium, small. To eventually being in a community where they can go shopping by themselves. There's communities. They have, they have dollars uh, that are flowing through, through their social security, their VA disability, whatever it is that they have, subsidized by the government, right? You're already giving them food stamps and other junk. You might as well 
give them some of the good stuff, right? Real food, not let them barter for liquor. You know that. Just go to any corner in Los Angeles, South Central LA, certain parts of the San Fernando Valley. Just go. People will trade in. Hey, I'll buy you this if you buy me that. I'll give you my food stamp card, uh, chip, skiff, biff, whatever it's called these days. They, they keep changing the name so that you can pretend to think that it's something different. But it's no different than a soup kitchen from the 1920s, 1930s. Right? Except the soup kitchens now exist where? Well, in the grocery stores. Yeah, instead of saying, oh, you have to buy fr- fresh fruit and vegetables, you can buy liquor, Tabasco, yeah. Frito, I mean, chips, right? I'm not going to single out any one potato chips, but but chips and alcohol? Wait, this is supposed to be for the children, remember? That's the reason if we take away this, the children don't eat. Yeah, but what that wino has a freaking bottle of something wrapped in a brown paper bag. Come on. And you can call them whatever you want. How I was raised when when I was a policeman, there were winos, there were bums. Uh, They're human beings. I didn't say they weren't. I'm talking about their outside behavior, right? You you get it? Because what I can see is their do. You don't get to see their be. Because they're choosing not to be responsible. They're choosing not to be considerate of others. Instead, they're choosing to do. It's about me. It's selfish. So here's why I bring it up, because if you're concerned with your retirement account, your 401k is to push, to push that income taxation to the future, right? Tax it later on. I think you're going to pay higher taxes later. I think California is going to collapse. I think it's financially uh, irresponsible. I think people are fleeing. Next week, I'll I'll see if I can get on uh, one of the guys I, I like to pick on a little bit. But when he does something good, I'm going to tell you. State Senator Scott Wilk, right? I was I supported him. I was a, a friend, a, an acquaintance of his. I, I don't think what they were doing in Sacramento was worth anything. In fact, I think the Republicans are 100% worthless in this state. 100%. Oh, Eric, if we can take back the state, please send your tax-deductible donation to P.O. Box. I think they, and I've confronted these people, I've I've given you their names already, right? Jim Brulte, in a meeting with him, oh, we've had great success. I said, Jim, we have lost every election. Yeah, but we don't have debt anymore and we're raising more money. Well, however you define success, Jim, I don't. I think the only way you define success is if you win. And we're not winning. Because we're not willing to play the same game that the Democrats play. See, the Democrats stuff ballot boxes. Democrats go and grab apartment buildings and convince, coerce, suggest, suggest Democrat votes. And when you say, no, I'm voting for the Republican, maybe, maybe not your ballot that you hand him or her ends up somewhere, maybe not in the ballot box. Just saying, I saw the video. So I think you don't have a chance if you're a Republican in the state or a conservative in the state, to to win. I think the state is going to run full speed ahead. It's been bought, paid for, purchased, signed, sealed, delivered, receipt is in the bag by the Democrat Party. So 
Scott Wilk came out with a great video and he said, listen, the way the schools are running, it's just another symptom. I'm going to get to that in the second half of the hour. I have a solution to try to save our schools, to see if we can be prepared on the outskirts of town when the ashes come and the financial collapse in the state of California comes. How do we pick up the pieces and keep it from happening again and letting the the charlatans like uh, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, and Kamala Harris and whoever the the crooks are for the day try to turn this into a Mississippi or turn this into a, a Baltimore turn the state of California, right? That's what they try to do. They just steal, pillage. So how do we do that? Well, I think there's a way to start by fixing the uh, education system. I've got a a system for that here, some suggestions after the bottom of the hour. Let me give you the phone number again, 888-99-RETIRE. The total financial hour, listen, if you want some or part of your money safe, removed from the risk of the economy going up and down, the stock market going up and down, getting reasonable rates of return. We're never going to hit home runs, right? We're not going to get 20s and 30% returns. But if we can average between three and eight, and on a good year, maybe even 10 or 12, and on a bad year, we just stay the same. We don't lose anything. That's what we do. It's called a fixed indexed annuity. We also deal with fixed annuities. We also deal with your retirement accounts, your 401ks. They might be in the market. Are there things you can do to lessen your risk with retirement accounts, absolutely. Are there things you can do to make sure you have tax-free money in retirement? Yes, there is. Triple eight ninety nine retire. Stay with me after the break, folks. I have a solution. What to what I think is the issue, based on my experience with our public education system. Stay with me after the break. I'm Eric Halby. This is the Total Financial Hour. On your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM870, The Answer. We'll be right back after the break. Total financial hour. Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arif Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial Hey, welcome back. Thanks for joining me. I'm Arab Halaby. Total financial hour. Appreciate you staying with me. Listen, a big part of it, guys, is your involvement. On layers and levels in which you have either the time, the money, or the expertise, right? What I want you to do is to uh, is to focus on a couple of things. The bad guys, the progressives in the United States, who are really the bad guys, and listen, the people that vote for Democrats. The, I, I'm not saying they are as evil as progressives. I don't believe that. But I do believe that today they now have a choice because information is everywhere. And their choice is to vote against a Donald Trump or against abortion control or management as if California will ever change that. Probably not in our lifetime. 
So it's not even an issue. It's irrelevant. You might think that it should be relevant. Fine, I get it. But for it to be used as if that matters at all in California, if you vote for a Republican governor or not, they're not going to change the rule. So fine, move on. Let's find another place we can make a difference. And the difference is in our elementary schools, our kindergartens and our elementary schools. There has to be cameras in the classroom. There has to be. Where at any time a parent through the app or their computer can log in, listen and watch. It's a password. It's protected. Double layer security. The Pentagon has cameras. You're telling me that that you can't have similar level of encryption? Of course you can. And here's why. Because little Jimmy, whose parents are alcoholics and don't really care about his education, so they don't come to the back-to-school nights, will directly benefit because little Susie's mom and dad, who are involved at all the PTA cupcake baking bake-offs and, and the meetings and, and the involvements at the Christmas parties and all that craziness, yep, little Jimmy gets to benefit because the teacher will actually be held to account to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. Not her social agenda, not her preferred bed partner. I don't care about any of that. Teach my child. Your sexual preference is completely irrelevant. And it has to happen in the elementary schools and the junior high schools or middle schools and the high schools. Kids already have cameras. Surprise! Have you not seen fights and videos uh, on to, online and YouTube and, and Rumble? Have you not seen cameras being posted already? Don't give me this. It's about privacy. What a joke. It's a joke. Teachers want anonymity. They don't want privacy. Because the activist teachers out there and the ones that are looking for cover, there are good teachers, good educators out there that are looking for cover to say, listen, hey, I would love to teach your social agenda, says the union leader, but I can't because I have a camera on me and the parents are right to, to provide uh, feedback. And they indicated they want me to teach social studies. Not America's an oppressive place and, and we're evil. And, and the country didn't start until blacks began to arrive. Right? You, you want to teach real history. I get it completely. Yeah, you teach. You teach there was, what, three, maybe 4,000 blacks that had slaves? That the largest slaveholder in the United States was a black woman? Down in Louisiana? You, you want to teach that? Teach it. You want to teach that America was a slave-segregated uh, place? Yes, of course. But don't forget to say that they were Democrats. They wanted segregation then, and they want segregation now. The Democrats created the KKK. The Democrats created today the cancel. Uh... I mean, you understand that it's not controversial. It's not like, oh, he didn't just say that. Yes, the segregation today. We want separate graduations for black people at Harvard, Yale, Cal State, whatever. You see taxpayer money. Yep. Separate dorms. And they just cover it up. Do you know that? Some of you didn't know that. They have separate dorms, just like the 1950s in Selma, Alabama, Birmingham, Jackson, Mississippi. Remember those places? Sorry, you can't eat here. Try to be a white person and enter 
a, a black student union, which used to just be called the student union, but now try to do that. Racist, get out, suppressive. He's like, uh, no, no, I'm just looking for directions. Right? Try to be a, a black person to enter uh, a coffee shop in uh, the, the South. Right? In Missouri. See how far that goes in 1948. Same people. Same people. And now they're teaching your children. And more importantly, they're the ones that are teaching the teachers to teach the children. So the educators are normal people in most parts. But it's the political appointees. It's their union shop stewards that have come through and said, I know, Miss Educator, you think you're here to teach math. Ha, ha, ha. But no, you have to talk, talk about uh, gay pride. And it's like, but my fourth graders, uh, they just want to learn and say, sorry. We're here to indoctrinate, not educate. I want a camera in every classroom and I want a body camera on the teacher when she leaves the room. Ooh, did he just say that? Yep. Here's why. Stand by for my statistics because as Dan Bongino says, and I love Dan Bongino, by the way, bring the receipts, back it up, prove it. All right, let's see. Huh. Between January 1st, I want to be clear on this. It's a little slow coming up. All right, there it is. The feds call on states to adopt uh, programs, policies, and laws to stop shielding teachers accused of sex misconduct. The first five months of the year, 135 educators were busted for sex with their children. Mm-hmm. That's right. From January 1st to May 13th, Somewhere in the neighborhood of 135. Oh, wait a second. Could that be? That was 2022. So what could we have had for 2022 the whole year? Well, MSN, uh, for the first six months of the year, 181 teachers last year were charged with sex crimes Let's be clear on that. Uh, maybe you didn't hear. 181 teachers. No body cams, no cas- classroom cams, cameras. Ready? Oh, wait, but law enforcement. All the year, the entire year. Somewhere between 9 and 12 unarmed black men were shot and killed by police. Tragedy. Wrong. Sorry. Evil, some cases, if the officers had an evil intent. Sometimes it was a mistake. We'll call it 10 because the average is nine, but sometimes there's 12 and sometimes there's seven. We'll call it 10. The entire United States police departments, right? City, county, state, nearly all of them, not all, nearly all of them have body cameras, have cameras in their police cars, have cameras in their jail cells, have cameras in their lockup. And 10 unarmed, the reason we had it, 14 male whites, 9 male blacks. That's the that's the average. Then boy, oh boy, when something goes on, do we not yell, let's see the camera, cover up. You, you liar, cover up. Racist, racist. Everybody's racist. 
So explain to me why you don't want cameras in minority and, and lower income schools. Because who do you think these predator educators are tracking? Yep. Kids that nobody cares about. Kids that mom and dad don't pay much attention to. Who do you think is tracking? Just look at the news. They're men and women, white and black, upper middle class income, 33-year-old married with one or two children. And she goes out and and sleeps with the 17-year-old boy. You don't think this stuff is happening. You need cameras in the classroom with sound that the, the parents can log into in their lunch break, log into in their their 15-minute coffee break, see how their little 4-year-old is doing, see how their 10-year-old is doing. All the time it's recorded. It's protecting the good educators. It's protecting the teachers that are not, that are been, been, many, by the way, have been accused wrongfully by high school students, just like many good police officers have been accused wrong, wrongfully by black and other men and women, city councilmen, right? Who was that uh, that rising star? I think it was in Florida, but I might be wrong. Rising star uh, political member, a black man who, who accused of all sorts of racial stuff. They came out with the camera. Not only did he back off, apologize, but step down from political office. That's the kind of thing you need. You need to see that when people... And and listen, maybe he made a mistake. Maybe he just got caught up in this victim world and everybody hates me because of my color because maybe that's what he was taught. But you don't think that's happening to teachers? Right, I'm going to discipline you. Oh yeah, well I'm going to say you touched me. Give me your phone. You're not going to touch my phone. You need a camera in every classroom to back up the good teachers and to catch the bad one. Ooh, Arif, does that sound familiar? Yes. When I was in law enforcement 30 years ago, that's what they said about us. You need cameras to protect the good officers and to catch the bad ones. And it will deter those that are on the bubble that might be doing something bad or thinking about doing something bad, but they're not going to do something bad because the camera is there. Oops, surprise. I think educators are even more important because they have the ability to shape a life. Law enforcement does too. They have the ability to, to wrongfully put somebody in jail and create a record on their, on their uh, criminal history. Yeah. But if we had a camera in every single classroom, would it change that? Well, here's the argument. Gentleman from Forbes decides to write an argument. Please don't put cla- cameras in the classroom. It's a little bit older, but here's what uh, Mike McShane from Forbes magazine says. Uh, I studied K-12 education, including entrepreneurship and school choice. And I think it's a terrible idea to have education awash with cameras. All right. I'm going to tell you what his argument is. I'm going to tell you mine against it. Number one, he says it's about privacy. Irrelevant 100%. He says, oh, you don't want video floating around the internet. It already does. The kids have cameras. They have cell phones. You tell me when a teacher tries to take that cell phone away that that they are not having not only a verbal altercation, but a physical altercation with these kids. Right? So you have a camera in the classroom. Now who goes to jail? The child. Now who gets in trouble? The child. Now who gets sued and has to pay for the medical bill? 
the child, not the teacher. It's not a he said, she said anymore. Privacy is irrelevant. The kids already have cameras. They already videotape any altercation. It's on the internet in no time. It's on YouTube, etc. It's out there already. They share it amongst their friends. They laugh at you when you talk about privacy. There are already cameras in the hallways, cameras outside of the school, cameras in the, the uh, front of the, the, the schoolyard, right, where the kids play. The cameras are everywhere. What? Oh, look, there's a child there, but he's, you, you, you wouldn't think that same child is going to go into a classroom? What do you mean, privacy? It's a, it's a red herring. Here's another one. Number two, teachers will play to the cameras, just like a courtroom. Have you ever seen courtrooms when the O.J. Simpson trial and people just dragged on and on their arguments because it was about them making sure they feel good? Guess what? I want teachers to play to the cameras because they're going to say exactly what they're supposed to say. And the good ones will feel relief. They will be grateful and thankful. Thank you for having a camera. I have to teach what I was supposed to teach and not some phony agenda given to me by the superintendent. They're not going to play to the cameras. And if they do, guess what? You can fire them. (gasps) Imagine that. Their job is to teach. If they play to the cameras by actually doing their job, then I don't care what they do. If they want to put on makeup and look like the next, you know, Marsha Clark, let them do it. I want them to teach the kids how to think, not what to think. You see, that is the difference. The left wants to teach. Democrats want to teach your kids what to think. Republicans and conservatives have always wanted to teach your children how to think. I think cameras will get in there and make a difference. Number three, his argument is all about, it shows we don't trust the teachers. Mm. We gave them responsibility for the most important things in our lives, our children. And now we are questioning what they, what they do and who they are. I, I'll make this one uh, short, I hope, and clear. No, we don't trust them. No, uh-uh. Wait, wait, you, you, you said you don't trust the law enforcement, the police officers? These men and women can shoot you and take your life. They went through training that is a lot more intense ever than a teacher or an educator. I don't mean in time, I mean intense. Stress where there's gunshots and explosions. You have to fight, you have to climb. You have to run. You have to chase for a mile or two miles. You get into the ring and you fight. You have to pass test and test. So it's intellectual and physical. Our men and women in law enforcement are brilliant, both mentally and physically, at least when they come out of the academy and maybe a few years afterwards. Some of them decide not to keep themselves in shape. It's a different story. But our educators, of course we don't trust them. Not because I don't like them. Of course not. No more than I trust the guy who's making my hamburger. But I require him to do what? I require him to take safe food handling courses, wear gloves, have a manager, have training, have ongoing training. And ready for this, back where they make the hamburgers a lot less valuable than my child, they have a camera. 
I'll still go through and get a hamburger at the, at the drive-thru, no question. I'll end up having to trust him, of course. But is that hamburger more important than my child? Of course not. The educator, it's not about trusting or not trusting. You don't trust me as a driver. Why do you have red light cameras? You don't trust me as a driver. Why do the, you follow me? It's a phony argument. It's a, called a non sequitur. One has nothing to do with the other. Grocery stores, boy, do I trust my grocery store. They have cameras. Courtrooms, police, courtrooms. Yeah, did you know courtrooms actually have cameras? What, you don't trust the lawyers and the judges? Gas stations, well, they have cameras. You're not going to pay? You're going to steal? You're going to, what? Oh, it's a phony argument. Before I give you my last one, why I think the Forbes uh, article by Mike McShane, arguing that there should not be, please, it says, please don't put cameras in the classroom. That's his. That's his title. It's a couple months old. Please don't. His solution, school choice. I'm with you. Here's what you do. You create school choice. And if you want to do a, oh, well, well, maybe a sampling, right? You, you want to run whether or not it makes sense. You do half of the schools with cameras, login capability, and the other half without. And you see where the parents choose to put their child. And you answer the concerns like I did, privacy, you have a uh, encryption, you have a login code for the parent, right? You could do that. Shows you don't trust him. I think that's such a funny argument. Here's where he says it should be fixed. Number four, it should be focused on school choice. I'm sorry, yeah, number four. Yeah, school choice, I get it, you're right, school choice. And open communication, that's his cornerstone. The whole thing can be fixed with open communication between the parents, the teachers, and the administrators. Uh, Did you not see that Joe Biden's FBI uh, uh, didn't, didn't the Department of Justice call parents terrorists for speaking out at PTA meetings? Didn't they encourage the National Teachers Association, right? They got caught. The DOJ got caught. Right? Uh, isn't that funny? The, the secretary, the, the Department of Justice, the secretary, what, what, what did he do? He told the union, here's how you write the letter back to us to get us to act. So you make a request of us, then we will in turn go, oh, look at that request. We must act. And then they labeled parents domestic terrorists that spoke up and argued. Oof. Argued. Wait, wait, wait. Open communication. Parents have tried this. Sorry. Branded domestic terrorists. School boards don't even listen. They send in police. They cut mics. They turn their heads out of disrespect. They pretend to not even listen. They put their heads down. Look at it. These are real parents with real concerns. Loudoun County, Virginia. Glendale, California. Have you seen what they're doing in Glendale, California with elementary schools and teaching these little kids Uh, about this gender baloney? And then the parents try to go there, solid family-oriented Armenian families, generally speaking, were the ones on the news, but others were there too. And I'm listening to these folks, and then you hear the response, oh, 
well, you know, keep it, keep it calm. You're like, you guys don't listen. You stuff the ballot box. You cheat on some of the elections. We know that. It's not a secret. So what are we supposed to do? Well, number one, I want you to start with cameras in the classroom, guys. That's my bottom line. I want you to push for it and then push for it and push for it again. And I think cameras in city council, as they're doing their thing. Now, they can talk behind the scenes in their own offices, right? That's okay. But you have Los Angeles police officers who wear body cams in the restroom. They are required to wear them through their entire shift, including into the bathroom, including into the locker room, run in and grab something and come out. Do you not understand how crazy this is? That's fine. If you say that's what's required, then our educators need cameras. I'd like a body cam on them for their point of view. And you can have different ones. They can have a one that they wear around the top of their head like a headlamp. They can wear one around their, their neck like a necklace kind of thing that, that drops down in the center of their chest and, and just catches the front view. Audio as well. Same thing as the police department. The police department has a three-minute or a two-minute buffer, rather. Used to be 30 seconds. Except in this particular case, when class is in session, it needs to be on 24-7. And you store it. We have the storage capabilities. We have the hard drive capabilities, the terabytes and barabytes and hiccabytes, whatever they're called. (laughs) My son's going to be mad. I said all those things. Whatever the bytes that we need, we have them. We have a big old bite. Store it. Amazon said he's got all that uh, underground salt caves, right? He's got caves, caves, and caves. He has everything we need. You do this, and you private schools are doing it. I, I don't know if you know this. Private schools are doing it. Oh, well, that's for those people with that kind of money over there. Yeah, their kids and teachers have accountability. You see... Because what it will also do is teach the, uh, especially high school kids, but junior high nowadays, that their behavior is documented and that their behavior is accountable. You see, here's what's going to happen. If we don't do this soon enough, your retirement accounts, your future income, everything is going to be taxed at a higher rate. It has to be. It's just a math problem, you guys. It's not a secret. Somebody's got to work to pay for these crazy people. Uh, I mean, honestly, have you not considered what do all those administrators do at the community college? Cal State, whatever. What are all those people being paid for? I want you to go to Transparent California. Just type that into your search engine. Transparent California. Put in your local high school college. You can put in the, the institution. See what the top wages are of those people. Some of them are great human beings much more uh, brave and courageous than I ever could be. And many of them feel trapped and manipulated. And without cameras, they're stuck having to teach and regurgitate. All right, stay with me after the break. Your emails when I come back. Arif Halaby, 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Arif Halaby, The Total Financial Show, 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. 
Social Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halabi. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. If you're just joining us, it's the Total Financial Show. I'm Arif Halaby, coming to you with your emails the second hour of the show. First hour, uh, we discussed a couple of important things, 401ks, how the changes are happening uh, for the first half, if you will, of the first hour. And then the second half of the second hour was how we can fix our education system. Because I think by using cameras, they're accepted already everywhere. Americans have chosen to give up privacy. I think it's time to hold account the school districts, the superintendents, and the bad educators. The good educators out there are looking for cover. They're looking for somebody to watch their back because they have 10 years, 12 years, 15 years left, and they're saying, I can't get out of here. Everybody I know that is an educator who has retired, everyone, are so grateful they got out and doesn't have, well, I haven't met one yet, that has anything good to say about their administrators and their bosses and supervisors. There might have been a good guy or gal that was an assistant principal or the dean or the principal. That's fine. But the system, everybody is shackled to some political agenda. And I think cameras can help soften and then eliminate. Because even the child in the classroom that nobody, quote, cares about, well, he or she's going to benefit, right? Because if that teacher's trying to teach and there's somebody who's on the other side of the room being disruptive, it's not the teacher picking on my kid, is it? How many times have you heard that, poor teacher? (laughs) Not anymore. We're going to hold them to account, so I need your help to push for cameras in the classroom. I think that's going to make a change. Uh, All right, so listen, in the financial world, the reason these things matter is because taxes for schools are collected locally. By and large, county, city, state taxes are collected for your educational institutions. It's why if you go to Texas, the property taxes are about twice as much. Yes, about twice as much as buying a house here. I don't mean twice as much as the home you bought in 1976 with Prop 13, right? That's $900 a year and you think, well, if I move to Texas, it's gonna be 1,800. No, no, no. Today, if I bought your house, the taxes, let's say, would be $9,000 a year Well, that same house in most parts of Texas with good school districts, it's probably in the neighborhood of eighteen, fifteen, maybe twenty thousand dollars a year in property taxes. Uh, Tell me, when do we pay off our property taxes? Oh, never, right? So Texas is not the, the the mecca calling everybody. The property taxes there are high. Try to go to Nevada and get car insurance, twice as much as California. Doesn't mean it's not a good, those are not great places to live. I'm telling you, they're still great places to live. But if you want to move to Florida, expect to pay twice or three times the amount in homeowner's insurance. Can you spell hurricane? Hint, it has two R's. So somebody needs to understand that fleeing California is not as good as running to somewhere. You see, I want you to, to, instead of running from something, I'd like you to run to something. I, I want you to do it with everything, relationships, financial professionals, right? insurance companies, investment firms, and where you live. You don't run from something, you run to something. Otherwise, you will always have the problem with you, and you will. 
right? You've ever heard that story of, or, or that saying rather, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> yes, because you are the problem. So we want to fix you being the problem. Because financially, it isn't difficult to know the facts, what to do. Remember, I told you how my dad always spoke, but the difference between doing and being. He cared about being. And so why that matters to you is because in the financial world, when, if you, when you only focus on doing, then the Mike Hallaby School of Education, my dad, says that you're not as valuable as a person to your family. He says you're not as valuable as a person to the community and you are not being the best you that you can, say it with me, that you can be, right? So how do we do that? Well, I want you to understand a couple of things that are changing. Sometimes there are external forces. Of course, you have to do things along the journey. And of course, these external forces exist and make you adjust course and make some changes. And so I think you have to understand that when Ken and Diana came up with this email, I think you will see that both of them had a concern. Now, Diana writes this email, her her and her husband, Ken. I want you to listen up because I think it'll make a difference in your life by understanding sometimes the external forces make a change. All right, here it is. Dear Arif, my husband and I retired about five years ago, just before the lockdowns. We thought we would travel around the country and the world. However, the uncertainty, uh, the uncertain policies of the various states and counties and countries made it less of a hassle for us to stay home. So we just decided to stay home. We did so for the next two years. After that, we made a decision to only visit states that had conservative leadership and conservative values. It gave us a lot of more predictability with our timeline, gave us predictability in what to believe was the policies, and the people were genuinely nicer. Well, that's interesting. Now we have decided to move to one of those states that we visited frequently, and that state is Idaho. Besides the city of Boise, the rest of the state is amazing. We could eat out, we could go to the movies, we could go shopping, all as if it was before the lockdowns. Now that the lockdowns are over, my questions are these. First, when we sell our house and we owe less than $100,000, okay, I'm going to pause there for a second. All right, I want you guys to grab a pen and paper if you want to follow along with me, and you you always should with these emails, because there's going to be numbers in there, and I want you to see how we do it, and maybe it can help you. Okay, I'll go back to the beginning of that sentence. Diana continues. My questions are these. First, we will... When we sell our house and we owe less than $100,000, should we pay cash for the house in Idaho? The profits will be more than 600000 and the cost of the house we want is less than 500000 We will most likely sell or get rid of all of our furniture instead of moving it. Here's her income. Here's their income, his and hers. My pension as an educator is $7,100 a month, and my 403B which is also known as a 401k, guys. It's, it's a TSA, tax-sheltered annuity. It's what teachers are allowed to put their money in. Sometimes there's a matching. Most often there isn't. It's just the educator putting their own money in or the employee. All right, continuing. And my 403B is 300000 All right, her pension is 7100 a month. 
Her pension is three hundred thousand. All right. My husband has a four hundred one k from his work worth about eight hundred thousand dollars, but he does not have a pension. His social security is three thousand four hundred a month. I think we will live just fine on our income, so I may want to pay cash for the house instead. Our current house payment without taxes and insurance is fourteen hundred dollars a month. All right, guys. Let's look at this from from the point of view of of me as a financial professional. I'm looking at a couple of things. Their income together is we have seventy one hundred, and we have thirty four hundred. That's ten thousand five hundred dollars a month in income. They've been retired for five years, so that means they've been receiving that income for the last five years, and they've been okay making a payment of fourteen hundred dollars a month. They're living fine. They have money saved still in their retirement accounts, quite a bit, and they're living fine. So, if I were to carry over that fourteen hundred dollar a month house payment to today's interest rates, it's not going to be as much as it would have been two years ago, but still, that means they can come in with a forty percent down payment on their house. Okay, now that's great because that means they can do a finance of about three hundred thousand dollars. Depending on interest rates, they finance a three hundred thousand dollar house. That's the the mortgage, but the house purchase price is five hundred. Isn't that amazing? They buy a five hundred thousand dollar house. They carry a mortgage of three hundred thousand. That means they only put two hundred thousand dollars down. And guess what they get to do? Keep all of that cash. Their house payment stays about the same. And I know from experience with clients that the property taxes and insurance in Idaho happens to be lower because they have a little bit of an income tax, about five percent. So that's one way that they can make up some of the normal revenue that states that don't have an income tax. They still raise money from various ways, usually property tax. All right, why is this a big deal for me to understand and for you to understand? Because inside of this are a few things. Number one is you don't move old furniture. Some of you are paying ten, eleven, twelve thousand dollars to move old furniture across the country. Now, first of all, I want you to take out antiques or family heirlooms, of course, your clothing, electronic stuff, your computers. Okay, those things are important. Musical instruments, if you're a guitar uh, nut, that kind of thing. Yeah, take all of those things. And that might be enough for a trailer or a small truck. But if you have a couch that's older than a couple of years, give it away. Or sell it. If you have something, an old dining room table, maybe you can bless a small family, a young family, somebody who's struggling, somebody who just might need something. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, you'll have to buy one on the other side, but when you do the math on what it's going to cost you to move it, you almost break even. Maybe it costs a little bit, but I just found a way to put an extra two hundred thousand, maybe three hundred thousand dollars in your pocket. And the way we're doing it is because you're going to carry a mortgage. You're like, oh, Arif, Dave Ramsey says debt free. Don't be silly. It's five six percent. It's free. And in a couple of years, when rates come back down. Then you can refinance it at two percent or two and a half percent if you want. The goal of paying off your house is nice, but not if you have income. 
right? Uh, look, you never pay off taxes. You never pay off insurance. So I get it. A lot of people say, well, then I just want to have a house payment that's down to zero. That's fine. But have you thought about when you're moving to a new state, what it's going to cost for new furniture and new window coverings, especially if you're buying a new home? You have to pay for the window coverings, guys. Sometimes they give you shades, but sometimes they don't. The front yard, they give you a stick called a tree. (laughs) It's not really a, a tree of any sort. And depending on where you move, they might give you rocks or they could give you grass or just a bunch of dirt. And you know and I know when you get there, Diana, you and Ken are going to look at the backyard. And whether it's a swimming pool, probably not because Idaho gets a little cold. So you may not have an outdoor swimming pool, but you're going to want a barbecue and an outdoor this and a fire pit that. So my goal is for you to keep some money available that is not taxable. Right? In other words, let's keep that house money. It's already been taxed. Just set it aside in a bank, checking account, credit union, a a couple of accounts. You don't have to put it all in one place. You can put it in one or two places. And you can have it set there for the backyard. And when you're done, if you want to put more of it down there uh, against the house, fine. You can do that. There's other things you can do. I want you to also think about long-term care insurance. I want you to think about tax-free money in the future. You see, you're stuck because the $7,100 is an educator pension, and right now those are slated to go up every year. Yeah, about 3% a year, maybe more. And by the way, Social Security will probably go up. And so now you're going to have an increasing amount of income, but all of it is taxable. So do we want tax-free income? Yeah, I could take a couple hundred thousand of those dollars, turn it into tax-free income. So eight, nine, 10, 12 years from now, I could get, I don't know, maybe $1,000 a month tax-free. Forever. Forever tax-free. You see, most people don't realize when you're pulling money from your retirement accounts, you're only going to receive about two-thirds of it. And because you're using it to live on each month, each year, now you're going to go buy something that has sales tax. Now you have to strip down the dollars even more. You're going to buy something that has any other kind of tax, uh, like a luxury tax, right? The state of California, try to buy a nice car or a pickup truck. Yeah, ready for this? I had a client buy a pickup truck recently, but because it was past a certain dollar figure, a pickup truck was considered a luxury tax. Why? Because we're going after those millionaires and billionaires. We're making sure they don't just take you. The pickup truck, those guys, if you're going to drive a new pickup truck, we're going to get you. So ridiculous. But that's the state of California. They hate anybody that's successful, anybody that can ever challenge them, who don't need them, who's not beholden to the cancel culture, I better get in line. Right? It's the same, same story. So in this particular case, very simple. Take what's valuable to you, but here's the important part. In the world of movers, and so here, I, I think this might be shocking to some of you. I want to tell you a story. Some of you might have heard it. I'm, I'm sure I've shared it. I've been on the radio 18 years now, so I've shared it sometime, probably. So we had a friend who uh, was an FBI agent, and their family moved across the country. Retired FBI agent, pretty big in the in in the local office, probably a decade ago retired, and moved across the country. 
paid the movers. I can't remember. I'm going to guess, but I think it's right around $7,000. One of those huge moving trucks, right? You see them drive down the street because they had a large house, probably 4,000 square foot house. The whole family, husband and wife worked, so they had money They that had nice furniture, so they took it all with them. And they packed it up and moved across the country. And then when they did that, of course, they drove and got there first. So a couple of days go by and, and they had just some random items of furniture and clothing, but the rest of it was in that truck. Certainly they had their valuables with them. And the truck pulls up in front of the house on a day after it said it was supposed to be there. And that was only because they had changed two days later the first time. So all in all, three days after it was supposed to be there, probably a week and a half after they got there and were living on paper plates. But finally, it's here. They're grateful. The kids are all excited. There were some younger children, teens and, and uh, you know, nine, ten-year-olds running around. Okay, very excited. Truck, the, the man comes up. He's in a, a van behind the truck. Truck pulls up. Man comes to the front door. Hi, yeah. Hi. Yeah, hi. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with the movers. Oh, yeah, there's my stuff. But she said, but that's not the truck that it left in. He said, no, the truck broke down and we had to switch trucks. And then we moved half of the stuff. And then we, we hooked up together with that other truck that had the other half. And so we loaded it. So this truck now has everything, although it might be loaded in a different order than we loaded it before. But it has everything, uh, but we had to change trucks because that one broke down in whatever, Kansas. She said, wow, okay, well, thanks for telling me. Uh, go ahead and back it on in, and, and I'll start uh, getting stuff ready. He said, no, you don't understand. You have to pay me $5,000. She said, what are you talking about? I've already paid in full. He said, no, 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 you have to pay me $5,000. But what about all my stuff? What about all my items that are there? He said, no, no, no. Uh, that's because the truck broke down. And if you don't pay us $5,000, he's going to drive away with your stuff until you're ready to pay us $5,000. Of course, she's like, I'm not paying you $5,000. He whistled, waves his hand, and off the truck goes down this tree-lined street with oaks and junipers and all the trees of the neighborhood. And he walks down the driveway, gets in his van, and drives away. She says, what just happened? So, of course, she reaches out to the moving company. Sorry, but we contracted out, so it's not our problem. Ultimately, she had to pay her $5,000 to get the items back. The number one scam artist in the country right now that I know of, as far as Better Business Bureau complaints, first, are movers. Second, property management companies. So, now imagine you're a middle-class person trying to survive and you move somewhere with your stuff and you rent a house you're now in the middle of the the pit viper the the den of the pit vipers to have them come along and and try to rip you off you have to be careful this is real stuff and they take your money so i don't like those two things you have to be careful and i want you to back up your your financial life that's why listen if you can drive a truck or you have a friend or a cousin or a brother sister somebody can drive with you just the items that you need. And these guys knew she was an FBI agent. They knew it, and they still went after her stuff. That means they don't care. They're not afraid of anybody. All right, so I, I don't trust movers at all, period. Just don't. 
way too many stories in my seat. Love them. Some of them are great people. I would expect some of you are listening. And you're like, Arif, our industry stinks, but it's not me, it's them. I get it. I love that. Right? When I was a police officer in the middle of Rodney King, all the problems that came with the Rodney King riots, right? What did we have to do? We, we had to fight up against that stigma. Oh, what are you going to do? Beat me? Oh, what? what you, you stopped me for a red light. Now what? Right? We had to deal with that. Everybody does. So if you're a good mover, you're going to have to fight through it because those son of a guns created a problem. It's my same reason for wanting a teacher to have a video camera in her room and a body camera, period. I would say two cameras, uh, you know, front, back, one facing this way, one facing that way, and then a body cam for the educator. They make them small enough you can wear them as a button or a pin, a little, uh, you know, hat, mag, whatever. Why? Because there are good teachers out there who are having their reputation soiled by these crazy left-wing libs of TikTok stars, right? Have you not seen those? Right, libs of TikTok? Take a look. They try to keep shutting it down, but I love it because it runs on uh, Twitter, so so Elon Musk is pretty pretty clear about it. All right, what did we learn from this? Number one is, it's not a... It isn't a crime. If you have the income, it's not a crime to carry the mortgage, especially when you might need the money for the backyard. Wait till you guys move in, Diana. See if you get there and you're going to say, gosh, you know, it's $150,000 for our backyard. I heard those numbers before, guys. I said, wow, what size pool are you putting in? She said, oh, we're not, but we're putting in a lot of grass and, and hardscape. I think hardscape means permission for double price or something. Maybe, I, I don't know. Brick walls. Okay, listen, if you have retaining walls and brick walls and you're going to do a sport court of some sort, right? Pickleball is a big deal nowadays. You might end up spending $100,000 in your backyard. That's not un- unheard of. Shutters, blinds, 40, 50 grand. For, but how many windows do you have? Consider $500 a window. Maybe that's high, but you might have some larger windows. So if you have 25 windows... Plus labor, right? Now you're took. Now what are you talking? About? Now you want to repaint the house? We need the furniture. I don't like the flooring. So there are things that you might have to spend money on, Diana. I, I don't want you to dump it all in the house. I'd prefer you get a first mortgage, with twenty, maybe thirty percent down, forty percent down payment. Still carry a mortgage. Whatever you were used to yesterday. Right, If you were used to $1,400 a month in California, you can pay $1,400 a month there. The numbers are going to be different because you're amortizing it over a different period of time, maybe what's left and, and on and on. So I'm okay with that. And I want you to travel, drive yourself. Maybe you fly and have your husband and his brother or the kids, right? depending on how, how you all do on road trips. But I want things like his firearms, any gold, any money, any silver, computers, antiques. That rides with you in the car. And when you guys are driving across the country or up north, in this case, up to Idaho, when you're doing that, be very careful about stopping at these hotels. Because a lot of the hotels, there are people that patrol these uh, predators and they look for moving vans. They know that you're moving. They see your license plate. They see it's not a rental car. It's easy to tell. Right, you have a sticker of your family in the window. Go Dodgers! Go, you know we have three little kids aboard. Uh, you know, 
we are pro-Trump, whatever you put stickers on your car, they see it. They know that you're not a rental car. They know that you're traveling and probably moving because you have a U-Haul van with you. So you have to be careful to either back in. If it has a roll-up door, right, you back in up against a wall or, or the, the trash compactor area. Maybe you just take turns driving so you get out of town as far as you can. Because these bad guys patrol it. Literally, they go through. They, they hunt like a shark through and they're looking for, for prey. So as you move across the country or you're moving up north, try to do as best you can to just drive straight through. I know it's not easy. Having two drivers works best, of course, especially when you're talking about 15, 16, 20 hours. I think, I think the Boise area is probably, what, 16 hours away or something. So be careful. All right, thanks. Uh, stay with me, guys. I, I, I have another email. This one is amazing, and you'll see why, because it literally will make a difference for good people that you know. See if I can help. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me. The Total Financial Hour. Be right back after this break. Bye. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome back. Power, Thanks. Welcome back to the program. Hour. Oh my gosh. Triple eight ninety nine. Triple eight ninety nine. Retire. Oh, it's a long week. Triple eight ninety nine. Retire. Triple eight. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. I'm excited about the changes that are happening in our system and our society, because just as the far extreme on one side starts pushing, all the apathetic folks on the other side either come along and change their values, or they fight back. And that's what we're really seeing: is people are making moves and adjustments to say, you know, I don't think this is nice. I don't think this is great. I'm actually going to fight back. So we're starting to see this pushback. And I think it's very important that they feel supported by you and me. I don't have minor children in school anymore. My kids have grown. But it doesn't mean that I don't see the impact, right? When I hire for for my company and young people come in for a job interview, and the second thing out of their mouth is how many days of vacation I get a year, uh, I'm thinking, well, wait a second. You don't even know where the bathroom or the stapler is. Why, Why are you asking about vacation? I mean, it's okay. We give vacation, of course, but but what does that have to do with you trying to impress me to get the job? Right? I, I did well before you were born. So this is a big change as society is starting to see young people that have come out so privileged and uh, really bullying teachers. It's interesting. Some of the emails I just got from educators, uh, I, I love you guys, Arif at TFSWealth.com. That's Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. Some of you are talking about feeling bullied by the educators, uh, sorry, by the uh, students, your teachers that are bullied by uh, certain segments. I won't repeat what you said, but certain segments 
of our student population feel like they can bully you because the moment you try to do something or say something, they call you a racist or a bigot. They call you, you know, they, they, one of you even said, and it looks like you're a male by your name, said that the, the young ladies will pressure you to give them a certain grade. If you don't, they will say that you harassed them or said some, some disgusting things. I, I can't verify these emails, but I can tell you this. That's not uncommon. I've seen people and heard people say things like that in the past. So I think a camera is good. It's good to protect you as an educator. Uh, the, the horse has left the barn. It's over. Privacy's over. The moment they started putting traffic cams in on the street, the moment Google Earth goes down the street with its camera and films your entire home and puts it for the world to see, and Americans have said that's okay, then, then privacy's left the building. It's over. So why do we not put those cameras in our uh, most precious cargo ever, right? Our children, both their minds and their bodies. I think we need to protect both of those. And that's really the challenge. You guys heard me at the beginning of the, the, the first hour of the show. Because what happened during the lockdowns, when all of a sudden educators were putting out their curriculum in the living room, and people are looking at it going, you know, parents are preparing dinner or making lunch or doing their own work. And they walk by and they go, wait, 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 what, what, what did she just say? Or, or what, did, what is she having you do? Why is that a thing? And, and suddenly, common sense parents are waking up. We see that across the board, different school boards. I appreciate you guys. And I think you have to get involved even more so at a greater level because nobody else will care for you and nobody else will care for your children. All right, here's what I have for you. This is an email. She asked that I use the word, uh, her name, Emily, but I'm not going to say her real name. I'll just use Emily. Uh, here's what Emily had to say. And this you will probably find uh, common. Okay. Dear Arif. My name is Emily. I'm a 64-year-old woman who has never been married. I have heard many of your radio shows where you have read emails from other single women and want to reiterate a couple of things before I get to my questions. First, young women today should not buy into this idea that a woman can, quote, have it all. We are naturally more of a caregiver and compassionate, so raising children, if they choose to have children, should always be our core responsibility. Having a career can always wait. Having children has a time clock. Second, as the women have emailed you in the past, the greatest regret I have had, uh, that I have had is not being married or having children. I always seem to find excuses to not marry somebody instead of reasons to marry them. There was always something wrong with them and perfect seemed to be the enemy of happiness. The idea that I should wait for that perfect person has guaranteed me the life that I have had. Now, minus any abuse or physical harm, even relationships that ended in divorce still had amazing children as a result. My sisters are great examples of this. So here is my question and concern. I have nearly, I have saved nearly $2 million and I have two rental properties. I have paid both of them off because I've never needed the rents as income as I've always earned at least 190000 a year. Each time I moved, it was a little closer to work so that my time in the car was less and less. Now I have a great place to live, central to everything, and hence it has become worth more than double from when I bought it. 
the rents from the rental properties I used to just turn around and pay them off early. Now the rents from each house have now come to equal around $5,800 a month. If I start Social Security now, how it will be right around $3,700 a month. Between my rent and Social Security, that's $9,500 a month. Together with my rental income, this is real close to what I was taking home before. My bills are $7,500 a month. All right, so you guys got that? I'm going to pause for a minute. Emily indicates with her rental income and her Social Security, she's receiving around $9,500 a month. Now, you might say, well, that's not $190,000 a year, Arif. When she said she was making $190,000 a year, how does that work? No, this is what she was netting. So think about this. She's putting in probably $30,000 a year in the 401k plan. That's how she ended up with the $2 million. She has payroll tax, which is about 7.5%, 7.6 to be exact, uh, for nearly all of her income. So that's an addition. So now you're looking at, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars coming off the top before income taxes were ever even taken out for her. So my point is, this is her net. Well, she's not going to contribute to a four hundred one k plan when she retires, and there are no payroll taxes because payroll taxes that they pull out of your paycheck, that is an earned income conversation, meaning it's physically going to work at a job. That's why COVID was such a problem when all the lockdowns came. They sent people home and they paid them, but they never they never classified it as earned income. So people never put never put money into Social Security. They never put money into Medicare. Now they retired early and they were taking money out of Social Security, and all the people that had retired before were receiving their Social Security check. So the bank account was not being replenished. It was being dwindled at a fast, fast, fast rate. Okay, so that's that's why you hear me talk about Social Security is part of the earned income story. Well, in her case, it's now passive income, right? She has rental property income and she has Social Security. All right, let me continue with Emily. I'll back up just a little bit. My income is now $9,500 a month and my bills are $7,500 a month. My goal in retirement is to find love and companionship before it is too late. And I think that is something I have to do as a retired person. I don't think I have the time nor the habits that would bring that into my life today. My high level of employment has caused me at times to have to travel across the globe, sometimes for a week or longer. It is difficult to have a relationship with any long-term commitment or plans. Unless something dramatic changes, I plan on retiring at the end of the year. I want to give, and usually I have to give, at least four months' notice so that by that time they can have an executive search team do its job and replace me. What are your thoughts on my financial decisions? I once heard you say that you have seen nearly 20,000 people in the last three decades, so I would like to know what your experience is with my personal situation and should I retire now to, to attempt to find love or keep working to secure my financial life? Sincerely, Emily. A little sobering, isn't it, guys? Right? There's some of you uh, that have made these choices. Look, there isn't one choice that's always good or always bad or never this or always that. It's not the same for any person. 
Some people are better at some things. Some, some love to have children. Some knew when they were young, they never wanted to have kids. So these are all decisions that have consequences, good and bad, right? For Emily, she has two paid off rental properties and $2 million in cash. That's nice, right? A lot more secure than maybe somebody who would have chosen a different path. She's definitely an executive, you can tell, a high-level executive of, of a firm. So it, it sounds like she wants to make some changes. So Emma, I'm going to speak to you, and ladies, I can give you my opinion as well as to what I've seen. I think because I have been on the other side of the financial conversation for so long, as meaning financial security, we're grateful, we're thankful, we have it. Uh, I have seen people live it. And it's nice to be on a place where money isn't as much of a concern as it once was. I can try to be vague, but you get the idea. So there's some definite benefits to that. Here's the other part, though, Emily. You're going to have to need somebody for something. Now, it sounds like you need them for companionship. That's important. But the other side of the equation, the other person needs to be needed. They need to be wanted. Right? Uh, asking somebody to open a jar for you, right? Think of an older couple or a younger. Can you, can you turn the, fix the light bulb? There's an endearing quality. There's a, there's a debt being created and paid back by doing something for somebody and in turn be, getting something done for you. Right? It's a process. And a lot of times when you're a high achieving person, male or female, and I can do it, I got it. I can do it. I can do it myself. You've seen it. You see it in teenage girls sometimes, especially with older brothers, right? They, I can do it. I got it. And they never ask for help. There's always going to be a day when you need help, when you need somebody to do something for you. So it sounds like you need to go in a little bit more vulnerable. I'll give you a good example. I have a friend who was the president and owner of a huge financial firm. It was a, called a, it was a broker dealer. I'll, I'll be a little bit specific. Broker-dealer, meaning they did mutual funds and stocks, bonds, that kind of thing. Huge firm. All right. He married a lady, I, I thought, a beautiful woman. Second marriage for both. And when I met her, they had just married. I'd known him before, and, I, and now he's married, remarried. He walks in. She was quiet. She was, uh, it was his room. It was his place. We all knew him. We all revered him. We thought he was a smart guy, owned a big firm, big company, very intelligent in the stock world. When we met him, he was great. We met her. She was quiet. Hi, nice to meet you. Calm and and pleasant. Kind of took a back seat so he could take the front seat. And then I got to know her. Hi, how are you? Good. It's good to see you. Then we went out to lunch or dinner maybe. Come to find out, she's one of the highest level achieving attorneys in her field. I mean... Not just regionally, but nationally. Brilliant. But she understood to let him open the door for her and let him move something off the seat so she could sit down. Why? Because she wasn't capable? No. Because she wanted to be treated special and he wanted to give something to her. He couldn't give her financial security. She had it. Couldn't give her uh, notoriety or fame or look, she's married to me. Give, take my last name. She already has that. But as a second marriage for both, whatever mistakes they made before, not my business, 
She just made it clear that she needed him for little things. Can I get you water? Yes. Can I get you something? Sure. Please. Thank you. Oh, that's great. Right? The, the idea that both of us need somebody makes all the difference in your financial life. Because, Emily, you have solved the financial problem. You do not need a man for money. Financial. Period. Over. Done. Got it. But you need somebody, whoever it is in your life. My experience, it's this. Very simple. When you have companionship to travel when you have companionship to share problems, when you have companionship that starts to have a history together, remember that thing we did or that place and you giggle and you laugh and nobody else understands what you're saying? It's that little, you know, uh, had to been there kind of story. Remember those? That's what you need. And that happens by taking a step back and not letting everybody in the room know how smart you are. I was very impressed by Mark's, this, his name was Mark, by Mark's wife. He lived up, up north, so far away from me, so I, I didn't see him very often. But very impressed with the, their relationship and, and the integrity that he had, respect that he had and showed in public and in private for his new wife. That's, that was pretty neat. Okay, let me get to the financial questions, Emily. Question number one I have for you is, do you want to stay in California? That's the big question. Because if you're going to keep rental property in California, you may have a problem down the road. Because California wants to punish you for having rental property instead of rewarding you for having rental property. That's a very important distinction. Because they think landlords are bad. There are certain, certainly bad landlords out there, of course. But there's also good landlords. And so the assumption off the bat in California is anybody with real estate is bad. So they create all sorts of problems in kicking people out and, and managing it and, and uh, taxes that you pay and on and on. There's just very little good news about keeping rental property in California unless you have it already, which you do, and you're going to stay here. Okay, so that's important. Think about that. If you're going to leave California, I would do an exchange for these real these uh, homes, in other words, it's a 1031 exchange. Move it out of the United uh, out of California into the state that you move. If you're going to stay in California, just keep them, manage them properly, do background checks on people best you can, collect a huge deposit, the most allowed, so that you can use their money to sue them if they don't pay. That's what I do. All right, it's important. Okay, and the answer uh, to your relationship question, by the way, is yes, I would retire. Financially, you've done everything you need to do. Uh, and I want you to think about this. I had this just recently. A client came into my office and I, I thought it was so adorable. She's been a client for a long time. Similar story to you. Uh, and she met a man and is now the ch his grandkids. Uh, he is his grandkids. Uh, she. Let me get this right. She is his grandkids kind of a step-grandmother because the gentleman that she's now married to, his wife walked out on the kids when they were little and he was a single dad. He raised them all by himself. And he has three children, two girls and a boy. And she walked out. So the kids really never had a grandmother. So when she came around as a financially secure person, the, the, the children were not worried that they were trying, she was trying to take dad for, for anything trying to get our inheritance. And, you know, sometimes those stories happen. 
and she loves it. She buys gifts, and they go on vacation, and they travel with the, with, uh, the, the step-grandkids, and, and they call her grandma. You know, they have a little funny name like all, all kids do for their grandma, but basically they call her grandma. And she loves it. What a great place to be an adopted grandmother for some young family that might need one. You can still have the great experience of nurturing step-grandkids. So those are, those are likely uh, good benefits out of the story. All right. Continuing with your finances, here's one of the things that I'd like as a possibility. There are, there are certain long-term care plans. You heard me mention it in the first email, guys. The first email, I talked a little bit about using a hybrid plan. Now, what is a hybrid plan? You might have heard them advertised. They're, they're kind of getting popular again. They come and go as, as popularity happens. But we're using a fixed-indexed universal life plan. But it has to be built properly. By building it properly, meaning you squish down the death benefit so there's less insurance, you have to choose for some of you that are thinking about this, I'm going to give you a technical th- option. A is an atom, right? So the spread, the delta, the difference between your money and the life insurance closes the gap, which means the price, the, the fees, the, the costs get lower and lower and lower over time. So when you are retired, when you're 60, 70, 80, as you get older, your costs reduce, not increase. So, Emily, I would look at this as an option for you to have a hybrid fixed index universal life plan. You use it for long-term care. You can use it for tax-free income. That's my favorite. So now I'm not using it to give more money to the government. And then I would ladder that $2 million, that the retirement account, I would ladder it in a couple of places. Most likely in the short term, medium term, your income is, needs are met. That means I don't have to worry about you needing money to eat dinner next month or the or next year. When you retired and you're done, you did all the fun stuff, right? You clean out the closets in the garage like everybody says they're going to do when they retire. And then what? I took a cruise. Look, when you guys come to my office and you retired six months ago, and I say, what are you doing? They go, we're planning on taking a cruise. When? December 2024. I go, are you kidding me? For two years? You can walk down with your bags to any cruise line right now. There's a cruise leaving tomorrow morning. Got it. Go down. Sit there. Say hi. We Basically, you know what standby is, right, in airlines? You can do the standby kind of plan for the cruise ships. You take your passports, take some money, credit card, whatever. You go down there and you say, hi, if anybody didn't show up, I want their cabin. I'll pay for it. The discounts you get are enormous, by the way. And you have the time. I, I think some of you that plan so far in advance, it's so that it's not real, right? December 2024, we're ta- January 2029, we got a cruise for the whole family, family reunion. <laughs> okay, gosh. So Emily, I want you to plan something and be spontaneous, have fun. Whatever the normal Emily is, which is probably productive, precise, all the stuff to get you to achieve where you have achieved in life. Maybe let's play it like a Julia Roberts movie, right? Something like the love, pray, eat, pray, love, whatever that is, right? Maybe it's time to kind of mix it up because by splitting up that $2 million, I would have put some for the short term. That's the spontaneous. I don't know, number, you pick a number, maybe 200 or 250,000, something like that. 
something that you can grab any minute, any, any hour of the day, go and do something. Next, I put some for the medium term, let's say two years from now. I'm going to need it maybe in two years. Something else I might put, it's the rest of your life. It's the backup. Just in case Social Security cuts back, like I think they may have to. Just in case your rental properties are not full or they're empty or you have to reduce the, the rents just a little bit. Or just in case there's a huge repair on the rental property and you forgot to pay your homeowner's insurance. All right, so we just have a plan B and a plan C. So that's how I would take that $2 million. I would split it up, probably $250, $1 million, and then maybe you know $750, something like that. Short-term, medium, and long. Create a fixed-indexed universal life plan, that hybrid plan. So just in case you don't find love, just in case you need somebody to care for you, I want you to be able to pay for them to care for you. Now, maybe you'll find somebody, it's a niece, nephew, somebody else that will be your beneficiary. That's great. And they will do so. Sometimes the people do that. But just in case they don't, I want a plan B. I want somebody to care for you. And we're going to have the finances to do that. All right, guys. Hey, uh, let me give you my phone number one more time. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. But you might have an email for me. All right, here it is. Arif, A-R-I-F, that's Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. TFS is T as in Tom, F as in Frank, S as in Sam, and Wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H.com. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. I want to tell you, last uh, couple weeks ago when we had the funeral for my dad, it was incredible. We had hundreds and hundreds of people show up. Estimates were between five and 600 is what we, what we were told. Uh, many of you did show up. Some of you did. I appreciate that. It was incredible to have that many people honor. Such an amazing man. Mr. Mofid Arif Halaby died January, uh, June 1st, 2023. Incredible father. Incredible legacy. Be an honor if I could be half as good as a man as he is. Bless you guys. Have a great week. Look forward to your emails. Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial Insurance Services. Total Financial Hour. Take care. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.